welcome to the Camden Fringe Pod, a podcast all about the Camden Fringe. Keep listening for a glimpse behind the curtains and to find out how you can get involved in, you guessed it, the Camden Fringe. Hello, I'm Michelle. I'm Zena. We're doing the Camden Fringe Pod right now. It's happening. You're listening to it. We have a marketing-focused episode today. I realised recently we've done quite a lot of marketing press stuff, um, but that's because it's the time when people are confirming their shows. They should be thinking about this. They should be getting a strategy in place. Yeah, so we're not doing it because we're boring marketing people. We're doing it because we're trying to be helpful. And we'll hear about putting your marketing strategy in place in the following interview with Andrew Collier. Hello, Andrew Collier. Hello, Michelle Flower. Hello, nice to see you. So Andy and I used to work together many years ago. You'll be surprised to hear, taking stuff to the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, Since then, Andy has gone on to bigger and better things and he's now Minor Entertainment. Is that the name of your company? That is the name of one of my companies. Oh, what's the other company then? There are many, uh, all for liability purposes. There's there's two main things that, that I do. There's Minor Entertainment, which produces live shows based on preschool children's TV shows. And then there's Family Tickets, which helps people sell tickets to families for all sorts of shows and events. So those, those are my main things. But yeah, you've got lots of experience putting on shows. And when we were thinking, who can we ask to uh, talk about marketing with us? We thought the impresario, Andrew Collier, is the man. <laughs> so we've given Andy a theoretical show um, and he's been mulling this over. For 24 hours. Probably not very deeply for 24 hours. I think probably very deeply. Zena, <laughs> talk about the, the show that we're going to come up with a marketing strategy for. If you're fans of the podcast, which I'm sure many of you are, you will already be familiar with the show that we use as our standard Camden Fringe show, which is my one woman lady physical theatre uh, with nudity jam show. Um, mime, clowning, clowning jam, tarpaulins, uh, a, a nice score of music. I think, I think I've seen you do this show, Zena. Probably about maybe maybe 2001, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have 400 followers on Instagram, 300 followers on Twitter, and a large family. How do you think... I should go about selling my show, Andrew Collier. Well, Zena Barry, I think, I have been thinking about this a bit, and I think that all show marketing is about, there's there's two things you've got to do. You've got to find people who might be interested in coming and seeing your show. And then once you've found them, you've got to convince them to buy a ticket. Those, Those are the only two things you've got to do, whatever the show is. I mean, my first question, I mean, you've obviously got people who, you know, might be interested in coming to see it because you've got your, your 400 Instagram followers. And what, what else did you have there? So somebody... 300 Twitter followers. Okay. So you've got people there that are interested. Um, is this in the Camden Fringe? Yes. This show. So there's also going to be, the Camden Fringe are going to have a mailing list or there's going to be people who are going into those venues. So, so there's quite an obvious pool of people who might be interested in seeing it. Then you've got to work out what you want to tell them about it. So what, what's your show called? I'm not sure yet. 
Well, you need to have a, you definitely need to think about your title. Mm-hmm. You've got to come up with a title uh, is going to appeal to the people that you think are going to want to go and see the show. So, I mean, you know, one thing you might consider is you might consider if you've got all these, you know, Instagram followers and, and Twitter followers, uh, and if you generally don't know what your title should be, perhaps a way to try and engage them would be to run some kind of poll on what you should call your show. That's a good idea. Advice to anyone, to, and I mean, it's quite a good example with your, um, you know, you've got your, your Instagram followers and your Twitter followers. Is It is worth anybody trying to learn about how to do online marketing, paperclip marketing, Facebook advertising, all of that stuff in between developing your shows, you know, which I'm sure is taking an awful lot of your time. You could go and watch some YouTube videos on how to do Facebook marketing because there's lots of ways that you can do it so that you can communicate with these people without you always having to tweet at them, without you always having to write them emails, without you having to nag your friends. And it's really democratic, right? Anyone can do that. Anyone can go and figure out how to do it. You can do things whereby you can supply Facebook with a list of email addresses and Facebook will go and match those email addresses against people who have Facebook accounts with those email addresses and then you can serve answers to them. So if you had an email list of you know, 400 people or whatever, you could ask Facebook to go and find those 400 people and then just give them ads about your show, which is obviously going to be much more cost-effective than putting an advert in timeout. And there's lots of other things you can then do. You can then say, okay, well, now find me find me more people that look like those 400 people demographically and serve them these ads. So it's actually, there are lots and lots of ways now. You know, when we used to do this 20, whatever years ago, uh, finding people that were interested in the show involved hanging around places where they might be and, you know, paying someone to chat to them and give them a flyer and, and try and persuade them. You know, that's... Uh, expensive and quite wasteful now anyone can go and figure out how to give people these messages on social media so you're talking about really targeted marketing really targeted marketing because i'm assuming that for your i, I think we need what what would your top three names be for your show for this poll that we're going to run soon um L- lady clown show Lady Clown Show. Uh, that's my jam. That's my jam. Tits and jam. Tits and jam. I like your jam. Do you like my jam? <laughs> um, clowning about with Zena and some jam. <laughs> <laughs> so once you've come up with whatever your clown jam show title is, the thing then is working out what about that show appeal to your you know your followers to, to your potential market on my man and me <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a sponsorship tie in there i mean you want to be careful you don't end up getting sued by the jam people i, I was once sued well i wasn't actually sued but some some porn people once threatened to sue me and michelle back in the uh Edinburgh Festival days, so you, you need to you need to be careful. But yeah, that can be useful because you know that in itself can be content. That's a story. You mentioned paperclip marketing earlier, but I have no idea what that is. 
paper clip. Oh, paper, paper clip. Click. Oh, not paper clip. I was like, oh, it's that little paper clip on. Yeah, it's that little Windows fellow. Yeah, he, yeah. You can He's going to say, hey, I think you're trying to sell something here. He's <laughs> making a comeback. <laughs> Okay. It's very, very niche. I think most of your most of your listeners aren't going to get that reference. They probably aren't, though. <laughs> I don't care. Keep it in. How much should you, or should Zena rather, exploit her personal contacts? Because I know she went to a famous clowning school uh, in in London. Should she utilise her connections there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think if you're trying to sell, you know, trying to sell a fringe show. You're presumably, you know, it's your own money that's going to be paying for your Lady Clown show. You know, it's all your own risk. You've got to do everything you can, you know, everything you possibly can to sell your tickets, which is to find people that are interested in coming to it and then convince them to come. So, you know, if you've got famous contacts and, you know, they could, I mean, you've got to sort of sit down and think about all the different possible you know, kind of marketing activities you could do. You know, maybe you want them to, you know, just make you a little video which you can then put on your Instagram. So, you know, maybe it's like a, I don't know what the word would be, you know, a kind of box pop thing uh, that you're using. Maybe you want them to come to a first night. Have a think about the different things that you can do and how anything that you've got access to, including contacts, would be most effective. Um, but you've, I think you've also got to be quite careful not to badger people. And I think that's where advertising is quite useful because it creates a bit of a distance. So, you know, yes, email your friends and send them direct messages, but you don't want to be doing that every day. <laughs> yeah, well, once you've direct messaged them once, really, you can't keep doing that. They'll either buy a ticket or they won't. Well, yes, but they need reminding, right? I mean, the good example here sort of take it away from something that is as personal as selling tickets for your show, um, particularly if it's your own show that you've done and you're in it. Quite a good example of sponsoring people. We all get requests from people. I had one, well, I have had a series over the last couple of months, uh, a friend of mine who's running the marathon, um, asking for sponsorship. And, you know, there's that whole thing about, oh, oh, yeah, no, I do want to do that, but I'm not going to do it right now because I've seen that message while I'm, going on the tube and I've got internet or whatever and she sent me a message this week because the marathon is on so the weekend right mm-hmm. and I was like oh I've got to do that now well, I don't know how many messages she sent me or what I've seen but I did because the thing is next week I did sponsor it this week so I think you can go okay well what when are the points that you know looking at my personal contacts I don't want to spam them every day but actually an announcement you know, a message when I put tickets on sale and a message the week before it opens, and then maybe one more if you get a good review or if you don't get a good review the week before it closes. I don't think anyone minds having a handful of messages over a period of time. You don't want to hear about it every day. I mean, there's something that I want, I mean, this is like years ago, and I think this was just nonsense that was made up by someone who sold ads for a living. But I remember one of the leading lights of one of the big West End marketing agencies who once had this statistic that I'm pretty sure was made up. But the statistic was that in order to buy a ticket for a West End show, you had to see 10 things about it. So you know, you'd hear a radio ad and you'd see two tube ads and you'd see two press ads and it, and it took 10 interactions before you bought a ticket. And 
Although I'm pretty sure that was made up because I've got no idea how we would possibly have ever researched it. We see very similar things in, in the shows that we do. Obviously, we're not you know, emailing our friends. We're emailing people that have signed up for a mailing list. But a lot of people need to have 10 emails from us before they will buy the ticket. And they're not unsubscribing. When, you know, some of that is because they need more information. Some of that is because they need to be reminded at the right time. Some of that is because they haven't made a decision until near the date. But actually, people do need repetitive content in order to get them to sort of jump the hurdle to buy the ticket. And I think for your Lady Clown show, you know, you've got your Instagram followers, you've got your Twitter followers, you've got your personal friends. You need to sit down at the beginning and kind of, you know, put out a schedule and just think about it and go, okay, well, I'm going to communicate with these people in this way at this time. Maybe you set yourself a thing if you're going to try and get to each person five times. So maybe with those Instagram people, there's going to be a, you know, series of posts. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not an Instagram expert on what they do with the algorithms to uh, how you see what and when. But, uh, you know, they definitely take advertising. So you can you know, also make sure that your stuff is placed in front of them. And also think carefully about what the action is you want someone to take each time. And that, you know, <laughs> that's normally buy a ticket. But, you know, it can be, you know, there can be a sequence of things. So maybe actually what you want someone to do is watch this video that you've put up of your trailer or whatever, and then buy a ticket. So in which case your communication needs to be focused on getting them to watch the video, and then wherever they go to watch the video, that then needs to take the buy a ticket. And do you have any stats on what the kind of best things to put in front of people are? Is it images? Is it videos? Is it words? I think it really depends on who you're trying to buy what kind of ticket. But I would say that it's always, I think in our experience, and, and this is why we find email works, um, words are always what get, you know, what convert people the best. So, you know, when we kind of went down the route of doing our own ticketing and selling our own tickets, we took quite a lot of inspiration from 1970s direct mail, right? I mean, kind of really old, you know, like people that used to, you know, send you a pen or, the, you know, the part work where you've got the binder, all of that stuff. And those full-page text ads you used to see, you know, in the back of the Radio Times or whatever, that stuff is really effective. And, and a lot of the kind of psychology behind that. Did you learn from Mad Men? <laughs> Do you know, I never really got into Mad Men. I mean, it looked beautiful. And I watched a couple of the episodes. I didn't quite stick. And various people told me that it takes a season to really get into it and i didn't give it that long so maybe i should go back and give it another go but there's a there's a there's a guy called um he's called drayton bird uh which is a great name and he he's written uh books on direct mail i think like going back to the 70s that have been updated a bit from now print email and all the rest of it but yeah i mean words are you know it's the image or the video that attracts someone's attention but i think it's the words that persuade them to buy a ticket that's why we have found email um, useful. I suppose if you've got a recognisable actor in your production, then you would use a picture of them. Or if it's a recognisable play that's been on before, then the name of the play might sell the thing. But, and, and this is always going to be a challenge for 
fringe show because you're unlikely to have a big star. What helps us sell tickets for our shows is the fact that these are based on really popular titles off the TV, right? But generally on the fringe, you've got a few tickets to sell. And the people who follow your Instagram, the people who follow your Twitter, you know, they, they do that for a reason. You, know, you need to have a think about what that is. There's, um, there's quite a fun exercise. And actually, as a performer, you know, I think you'll probably find this quite appealing. There's, there's a thing that they call um, persona marketing, where basically you just sort of create a series of avatars for your different potential markets. So think of the five different types of people that are one of your Instagram followers and, you know, write a little bio for them and give them a name and then try to understand why they follow your Instagram account. And then that will help you know what messages and how to communicate with them Um, because they're not going to be generic. Some of them are going to follow your Instagram because they're friends. Some of them are going to follow them because they've seen your content referred from other places. So try and actually come up with an identity for those different types of people to help you work out how to communicate. (laughs) Those are very good words, I think. <laughs> well, it, it just needs a bit of thinking about, doesn't it? Like what you, what you've said, you have to kind of then go and sit down and actually like listen again, and then make some notes and really think about that. But I think it's pretty wise stuff. Yeah, it's all spreadsheets. Yeah. So for Zena's clown show, we're going to get some photos and some videos of her, and then we're going to think about the words that we use with those to sell them to her five different types of follower. So there's some that follow her because of they're really interested in the Camden Fringe, some that follow her because she's very funny, some that follow her because they know her from school, uh, some who follow her because she's got a cute dog and they like the dog content. Is that what you're talking about? Zeno with a dog in school uniform. What, what's the... That's a different show, Andy. And what about the costume? Oh, I think Zeno is putting a costume on now. Uh, it's her clown costume. I mean, that's very eye-catching. Just unpacking my bag from yesterday. What is the show? Is it funny? Is it sexy? Is it rude? Is it performance art? What you know? What is the? It's very sexy. <laughs> it's important not to misrepresent your show, right? Because otherwise, people just come and not like it. So, it is important that your marketing, your communications, your images—they have got to be true to the show. So, you've kind of given me quite a prosaic description of the elements of your show but you haven't really given me an emotional description of what you know what 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 is it is there a kind of a a particular time that you think is important for people to be thinking about marketing is it when they first put tickets on sale is it the week before their show is it a continuous thing that should always be at the back of their mind it's got to be a continuous thing so it is you know the whole thing basically comes back to thinking about it all early on and then you know putting it all into spreadsheets or documents or schedules or or whatever so write down who the different potential ticket buyers are write down what the messages are write down how you're going to communicate what to whom and then list out day by day a schedule now there's not going to be something on every day but have a schedule so that you know that back when you were thinking about this when you first got your slot confirmed or whatever so you spent proper time thinking about it you've got some advice you spoke to some people and you said right this is what we're going to do and on this day which happens to be the wednesday the first week of our rehearsals that's what we're going to send an email and so you've got that in a schedule and hopefully 
a few weeks before, you've actually written it using the messages that you thought about before. If you haven't done the advanced preparation, then it's going to feel like you've run out of time and then you're not going to do it or you're going to rush it. So can't emphasise enough the importance, I think, particularly in a film show where, you know, you don't have a marketing department, don't have kind of <laughs> freelancers working for you. It's, you know, you and your mate and you don't have a lot of resource and you're going to be doing everything. The marketing stuff can almost all be done and prepped a couple of months ahead. And then you've done a schedule and then when you are really busy actually making your show, yes, you've got to do some marketing then, but actually it doesn't need to take you a lot of time if you've done it in advance. Brilliant. Well, this is good timing. And if you've planned it, then your headspace can be on your show and you know that, right, today's the day I do this thing, I send this email, but then that's done and then I'm going to go off and be arty and enjoy myself. Yeah, there are so many tools out there. It depends on what you've got uh, in terms of data or followers or emails address. But, you know, you can actually set all this stuff up and automate it and it will just happen. You don't even have to do it on the Wednesday. You can have just, you could have said two months ago, send this tweet on this Wednesday at this time. The issue with that is that, that there is some risk around events happening and you then sending out something that is poorly timed or inappropriate. So like... On the day the Queen died, it wouldn't have been the best time to like, send out a tweet about your show about death. No. Well, it might be, but you should certainly have, you should certainly have thought about it and not just let it... <laughs> planning it all in is really important, but it, it can be done ahead of time. You know, you can set it to happen without you thinking about it. But if the Queen dies, uh, pause your. This that's out of the way now, isn't it? What do you use to automate in advance? You know, we've got various sort of tools, email tools and, um, and social media monitoring tools and all the rest of it. But I, there is really cheap, easy stuff that you can you can get that does that and just pick the one that works best for you. But people have got to spend a bit of time figuring out how to do this stuff, whether it's using MailChimp or whether it's, you know, automating tweets or whether it's doing pay. <laughs> what well, I'm always going to refer to as paperclip ads. <laughs> it's all there, right? You, you know, you can find blogs and YouTube videos and that's going to tell you how to do all this stuff, right? It's it's not particularly difficult. It does require a bit of time. So what you're saying is don't leave it all to the last minute. Definitely saying don't leave it all to the last minute. Well, we've got less than a minute left, so we have left it to the last minute to come to that important conclusion. Thank you very much for your time, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Absolute pleasure. So have you got a good strategy now for your Lady Clown show? Oh, I know exactly what I'm doing for my Lady Clown show now and it's going to be a hit and it's going to go to the West End and I'm going to tour it around the world and then I'm going to do a second clown show and I'm going to have this brilliant repeat audience because they'll want to see what I do next. Okay, so if anybody would like to replace Xena um, in the Camden Fringe organisation, it sounds like we're going to need a new person to come and help me out because I can't do it all on my own. So do apply at the usual place. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with David Brady from The Lion and Unicorn talking about what they've got in store. Goodbye. Bye.